As I said last week, um, on Monday night, uh, we were going to be meeting with the deacons and uh, the elders of the church and the pastors uh, to kind of discuss, you know, the going forward and the opening of the church and, and the various ministries. And I want to take a moment before we go to the message, and I want to speak to you about this and kind of share with you some of those things. And I also want to challenge you um, as we move forward into the new year. Um, and, and first of all, um, I want to say um, it is a blessing to be a part of those meetings. I mean, you, you know the climate that is out there in our culture and, and, and the divisiveness of the so many issues that are out there. And to be able to come together with these godly men and to very openly share and to speak and encourage one another and even if you know, some things we didn't think about or some things we might agree or disagree with, um, it was such a blessing uh, to be part of that. And I walked away from that thinking, man, that, that really... I mean, was was very uplifting. What could have been very, you know, sucking the life out of us. Um, I mean, these are not easy decisions that we're making. Uh, so I start with that. Um, and what we have decided, and some of these things you've already uh, had shared with you, is starting this Wednesday, we are going to be going back to our regularly scheduled services. At 6 o'clock, we're going to be having the Discovery Kids, and at 6.30, we're going to be having uh, the prayer meeting. Next Sunday, then, we are going to be going back to our regular services. We are going to be at 9.30. We're going to have the Adult Bible Fellowship. And at the same time, the Children's Sunday School is going to be running during that time. Um, a couple of the changes, as we discussed, kind of trying to keep the social distancing and the rooms where they would best fit. Um, the class that was meeting on the book of Daniel that I was leading, we were meeting in the Fellowship Hall. We are going to be starting meeting up in the upstairs boardroom. Um, behind the crow's nest here, and the class on heaven uh, that Craig Carson was leading is going to be meeting uh, over into the fellowship hall. That class is just a little bit bigger, so we'll give them more room so that they can do their social distancing there. So at 9.30 uh, sharp next week, we're going to be uh, back to our ABFs and Sunday school. Then that means at 10.45, not 10 o'clock, but 10.45, we're going to be having our regular uh, church service. Now, we are still not going to be having any nursery that time. We have two children right now that would uh, be in that nursery age. And rather than, you know, go through that whole thing and having the nursery set up there, we're just all going to be really patient with our small ones, aren't we? And if they cry and if they have to get up and everything, we're going to be very encouraging uh, to them. And we're glad to have them here in, in the service. Um, for the foreseeable future, we will be continuing the same safety precautions that we have asked you to have. Um, you all kind of know what is out there, you know, concerning the masks. And so we ask you um, that as you enter and you're, as you are visiting um, that you would wear the mask. And once you get seated, whether it's in your ABF class, Sunday school class, or the church service here, that then it's optional uh, for you to keep it on or for you to take it off, whatever you feel comfortable with. We're going to keep the social distancing, keeping the pews separated like we are and, um, you know, and sitting on the ends of the pews unless you're f sitting in family groups, then, then that's fine. Um, but we're going to keep that social distancing. Uh, we're going to ask you if you're sick and if you feel something coming on, um, even though if you haven't been tested for COVID but you feel something coming on, uh, go ahead and stay home, you know, at that time. Uh, if you have responsibilities here, just give us a call and we'll, we'll get those responsibilities uh, filled in. And then also remember, and, and you, you may forget this, but, you know, we, we understand people's comfort level. And, you know, sometimes after church is dismissed and we're all suddenly a big congregation in the back. And, and that might not be in some people's comfort level yet. 
And so what we have been doing is after I uh, preach, we have a, a closing song, and then I have the, uh, a prayer of dismissal. But then we have another song that we sing. It's during that time that you can be dismissed at that time, or you can just stay and enjoy the song with us and continue the worship. But that gives you a chance to, to get out and avoid the crowds if that's something that is important to you. Um, so we have been doing all of these things. You know, that's where we feel that the Lord has been leading us. But one thing that we haven't talked about, and I think it's the most important thing that we have done, as a church family to, to deal with this, uh, you know, this COVID-19 is this prayer. You know, from the very beginning, when this all started, we prayed. And we committed our church family to the Lord. And we asked for God's hand of protection upon us. And I don't want to go forward from here without acknowledging God's hand in this and protecting us. And what he's done for us as a church family. You know, we have been at this for some 10 months. And we have had a little over a handful of individuals that have had the COVID. I, I, I may have missed one or two, but I think there are about six people that have had a COVID um, in, in our church. All but one of them recovered very easily at home. And as the testimony was shared earlier, the one is back on track, and we praise the Lord for that. Um, we have had absolutely no indication whatsoever that any case of COVID was related to coming to church or participating in the ministry of the Lord's. Almost every single one of those that, that COVID, as I talked to them, they could tie it to uh, a, a family event that they went to or some friends they went over to their house and, or whatever that might be. Uh, but, you know, and, and I know... You know, this thing is out there and people are asymptomatic. And all. I know that's true, but, you know, there's no indication whatsoever that, that participating in our church family is, has spread the COVID. And for that, uh, you know, I, I credit God. And I credit the Lord. Um, you know, we've taken a lot of precautions. You know, some people may say they're necessary. Some say they're not necessary. Some might say we're doing too much. Others might say we're not doing enough. But it is God-honored prayer that has kept us safe this far and brought us up to this point. And, you know, going forward, I don't know what will hold in the future, if that's going to continue to hold. You know, that might change. But it's in God's hands. You know, we talk about faith. We talk about trusting God. We talk about the sovereignty of God and how he allows things to come into our life and affect us and everything like that. And and, and we're not going to be driven by something like this. We're going we're gonna to do what, what is smart and what we feel is necessary, and then we're going to pray. I mean, think of it like this. When, when you get in a car, you want that car to be just as safe as possible, don't you, to drive it? So, you know, you, you wear your seatbelt. Maybe when you go purchase the car, you make sure that they have airbags and a lot of safety features, you make sure your tires are good so you don't slip. You know that the engine's running good, that all the lights work. You do all of those things. But all of those things that you do don't guarantee that you're not going to get into a car accident. But you put it in God's hands. You still go. And you still get up and, and, and you go places. So that's what we're doing. We are going to be moving forward with church family life. We are going to ask you to stay diligent particularly in your prayers, and then we're going to ask you, we're just going to put ourselves in God's hands and trust what God is doing here.
Now, with all of that, um, I, I have a challenge for us. I, I, have, I have some concern. And I, again, as, I, as a pastor, we're, we're to warn one another, encourage one another. And I want to do that for just a moment here. Um, because I, I see a kind of a paradigm shift occurring within Christianity, and, and, and somewhat even some here. Um, we have church online, and you know we've gone to great energy, and we're going to great expense to even make our online presence better, you know, for people to be able to have the services taped and be able to watch them at home. Um, our church online presence is for, number one, people who are just browsing through and, 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 and come across it. it. It's certainly for them, for God to use that to get the word of God into their lives. Um, it's intended as well for our shut-ins, for those who are unable to physically get out to church. Um, again, as we said, if, if you're feeling sick, we want you to stay home and, and just watch the service online. Um, if, if a person has high COVID concerns, and, you know, that's all up to each one of us, you know, then the service is for you to be able to stay home. Um, but I do want to tell you that the online presence has never been intended to be a Sunday morning option for us. Honey, do you, you want to go to church this morning or do you want to just watch it on the computer? Or, man, I have had a really busy week. I'm just, I'm just exhausted. You know, I, you know, get up, get ready, get to church, and drive there, and drive back, and, you know, get on ready. I think I'm just going to stay home this week, and I'm going to watch it on TV. Folks, watching online is never the same as coming in person. There is no way you can duplicate being part of a church family and participating in the church family. Um, I've, I've shared this many times over the last 10 months with everybody, con people concerning this, but, you know, people, people pay 50 60 $70 to buy a ticket to go see a concert or go to a, a conference and hear a speaker when they could spend $20 and buy the CD and they could listen it, to it in their car and they could listen to it over and over again, but they don't. They, they, they put that extra because there's something different Something special that happens when we're there in person that can never and will never ever be able to be duplicated with something online. Um, every single week, I watch most of the service, you know, either Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever, and um, it is the exact same service that I was at Sunday morning. It's the same service that we tape here. But folks, technology can never replace the experience of being here. The focus that comes when we are in person. I mean, the only thing technolo technology does is dampens it. You know, it's there, it, it serves a purpose. When you can't be there, yes, it is better than not having anything, but technology really acts as a buffer. I remember watching the Christmas Eve service, the, the candlelit service that we had. I mean, I was here and I participated in it, and man, my heart was just overflowing, being lifted up as we came and we built towards the end of that service and, and, and we stood and we sang together with the lights down and the candles all lit and we sang, oh, holy night. And, and I mean, it was precious. And, and I watched that later that week. And I thought, oh, well, that was neat. <laughs> you know, it's totally different. And, and watching online. And, and I think you can all attest to this, that um, in our faith, we learn so much more through struggles than we do through convenience. 
We learn a lot more in our faith and a lot more about our God and about ourselves when we're struggling than when things are just convenient for us. And how many times have you, you've been tired or not motivated, but you come, and the Lord uses that, that, that simple sacrificial offering of coming, and he uses it, and he uses the body to minister to you and to lift you up. That's why it is so, so important. Um, during the deacon elder meeting, it was brought up um, that the early church and even many believers today, you know, over in the third world countries, you know, they, they are meeting amidst a lot of risk and a lot of threat. I mean, the threat of persecution, the threat of being arrested, the threat of loss, the, the threat of being, you know, put to death. And I'm sure in the Old Testament, or excuse me, the New Testament, I'm sure churches that are meeting today in, in persecuting countries, I'm sure they take the precautions that are necessary. And then they just place their, their lives in God's hands and say, God, we're going to trust you. And that's what we have done as, as a church body. And, and, and not in a way of even, you know, you know giving up to it, but, but this is an exercise, a stretch of our faith, to trust God, to use what we have done for us to continue to minister, to not just put life on hold, to not just put our faith on hold and, and, and those, the, the, the ministry of the church on hold. Um, we want to get back to it. We want to get back to it ultimately strong. Um, for the church body and for your own Christian faith, I want to encourage you, if you can be in church, you should be in church. Okay, if you can be in church, and you know, we've listed all those things, that, why, it's, why it's there, and that's great, but if you can be here, you should be here. Folks, you don't want to give Satan the leverage in your life that allow him to slowly have your faith fade out and just dwindle. I mean, I can still remember way back in college, you know, some 40 years ago, you know, that illustration, who knows how long it's been along, but if you take an ember out of a fire and you set it off to the side, it can burn for a while, and it gives off heat for a little while, but slowly, if it's not with the other flames, slowly it dies out. And I don't want that to, we don't want that to happen in our life because it happens so slowly in our lives. And so once again, I, you know, I'm not asking you to overcome any of your convictions. I'm not asking you to set aside, you know, where you feel God is leading you. But above all, don't, don't let convenience dictate where you're going to go to church on Sundays. All right? So with that, we're going to move forward. And you're looking at your clocks and you're saying, he's got 10 minutes. Folks, I'm going to be close. Because we are going to close out this series that uh, we've been in in the midst of Christmas and New Year's. We've, we've uh, taken six messages to look at how what we do today will affect my eternity in the future. That it makes a difference, the choices that I make. What I do with my time, my heart, my attitude, it all makes a difference in the future. And I'm going to bring that uh, to a close, put a period on that today. So let's commit that to, a Lord, to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for our time here, and I thank you for your word. And I pray that your word will speak through me, Father. Your Holy Spirit will guide and lead you as you have led during this time of studying and preparing and putting uh, these thoughts together. I, I, I pray, Father, now that you will take your word and it will re not return to you void. Lord, 
for myself or any of those listening, any of those sitting here, Father, we give ourselves to you to speak to us at this moment. Thank you. In thy name we pray. Amen. Well, tomorrow morning, you're going to get up like any other morning. You're going to get out of bed like you've done hundreds of thousands of mornings before. You're going to get dressed. You're going to brush your teeth. You're going to go and you're going to eat breakfast. And soon after those mundane things that we do every single morning, soon after that, we're going to make the first choice of our day of will I live for what I can see the physical here and now? Will I give my life to that? Will I focus on that today? Things that are going to ultimately disappear? Or will I live for eternity? Will I live this day for Jesus Christ? In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, it says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. That's a precious verse. And we've referred to a lot of verses like this, you know, through the, this past six weeks. And, and during this whole time, it, it has occurred to me, as we've been talking about earth, and we've been talking about heaven, uh, it occurs to me that earth might be temporary, but it sure is convincing I mean, we live in the now, and God is asking us to live in the future. All around us are things that I can touch, and God asks us to live with a promise. You see, without faith, we cannot even imagine living what we can't see. Without faith, trust in God, there is no way that we can live the Christian life, because the Christian life is not easy. Add to that the fact that, you know, so many of our promises, they're there in the future and they're, they're by faith. You know, then, then we, we get into the reality of our Christian life, living it, and there's, there's so much thankless service. So many things that we do seemingly go unrewarded. Acts of kindness that we do. We're often taken advantage of in our faith. Sometimes the fruit that we do see comes at laborious costs. And it's easy from time to time in our walk to look around and choose to live for the here and the now. Well, I want to address that before we close this series this morning. If you would, if you have your Bibles, I would like you to turn to the last book of the Old Testament. We're going to go to the book of Malachi. The exact same struggles that we face today, they faced then, of the, the visible versus the temporal, or the visible temporal, excuse me, versus the invisible and the eternal. I'm in Malachi chapter 3, and I want to begin in verses 13 and 14, and then we're going to kind of take it verse by verse here um, as we get to the end of this chapter. It says, Your words have been arrogant against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, What have we spoken against you? You have said, It is vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we have kept his charge and that we have walked in mourning before the Lord of hosts? You ever feel like that? You ever feel like, what's the use? What does it matter? I mean, this was the cry of the prophet. This is the cry of his people at that time. What does it matter, God, that we're your people? And we may not abandon God, but, you know, it's very easy for us to abandon our service to him 
and our connectedness to him and, and having our lives live for him. He goes on in verse 15. He says, so now we call the arrogant blessed. Not only are, not only are the doers of wickedness built up, but they also test God and they escape. I mean, you add to this, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm living for the future and for the unseen. I'm making the sacrifices, but then I look around me all over and there is wicked. And they are being built up and they seemingly have no consequences for their actions. It's kind of like the Psalm 73, the psalmist cried out, you know, why do the wicked, you know, prosper? Why the righteous perish? I mean, this is the things that he's, he's wrestling with. Now, I, I give that all to preface verse 16. Look very carefully at verse 16. It says, Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord gave attention and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who esteem his name. The first thing I want you to notice there is that first part. It says, the Lord gave attention and it heard it. The Lord cared. God knows the struggles. God knows the frustrations that we have. God hears it, whether it's audible or he hears our hearts. God listens. And how he responds to such an honest and powerful, painful request, this is what's interesting. I mean, they're discouraged. They're frustrated. There's a lot of suffering going on here. And God's response to this is probably one of the most tender moments. God says, first of all, I listen to you. And then he understands. He understands that we are men and women caught in time, easily losing perspective easily losing hope that God is even paying attention. Does God even notice and see what we're going through here? And God realizes that. So this is what God does. Verse, middle of verse 16. He says, a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who esteem his name. That's what his answer was. That's what his answer was to the cry of his children to say, you know, why are the wicked prospering and the righteous perishing? Why are we suffering? God says, I got a book. And in that book, I am writing everything down here. I mean, you say, why is God writing a book of remembrance? He's not writing it so, he can, so he'll remember. God's omnipotent. He, he knows everything. He's writing this and he's telling his people because he wants to reassure them that he does watch and he does care and, and it does matter. And to... And, and, and he's pointing to a future time that he's going to reveal the contents of this book. Verse 17 says, They will be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I prepare my own possession. And I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. So you will again distinguish between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve. You see, not one act of service in his name ever goes unnoticed ever goes unremembered. That's a precious truth. Now we went to the last book of the Old Testament. I want to take you to the last book of the New Testament. I want to take you to Revelations chapter 22, verse 12. I'm going to put this up on the board for you here. It says, Behold, Jesus is speaking, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. Behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me to render to every man according 
to what he has done. I mean, if you really look at this and you look at it in the context, I mean, this is towards the end of the book and the end of the times and, you know, the tribulation and the millennium and God's about to set up his new heaven, new earth. All of these things are taking place right now. And it strikes me that Jesus doesn't say, I am coming quickly to set up my kingdom. No, his focus is on his people. He says, I am coming quickly. My reward is with me to render every man according to what he has done. That's what's on his thought. That is what is on his heart. He cares most about the people of his kingdom. He doesn't care about the, you know, more about the streets of gold and the, the gates of pearl. His concern is his people. And that's why we say the church is its people. You are, we, we're the church. It's not this, this, this is fine, this is wrapping paper. But what's important is the people. It's our hearts, it's our souls, it's, it's all that brought together. And, and, and to Jesus, that's the most important thing. He says, I'm coming quickly. He wants to come quickly so he can reward you. So he can take care of of, of, of his people. God, who notices and cares about every attempt, no matter how small we make in his name, he sees that face that is turned up to him, crying out to him. He knows your heart. He cares about your, 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 your faithfulness. He promises to reward you. He said, man, I want to come. He wants to come quick. And, and that's the first thing he wants to take care of when he comes is to take care of his people. He can't wait to do it. And every day, every day is a new opportunity for you and I who know Christ is our Savior. Every day is a new opportunity to discover what eternal business that God might have lurking for us in the shadows. You know, ordinary business of your life that God can turn into the extraordinary. I mean, every single faithful testimony that you live before your colleagues at work, God can, can use that faithfulness. Every time you say, Self can wait. I'm, I'm going to study for my Sunday school lesson. Or I'm going to go and I'm going to work in Discovery Kids. Or I'm going to go pick up a child and, and make sure they get up there under the teaching of God's word. Every time you tell a person about Jesus Christ, God says, I have a book. And I remember. And out of the ordinary things that are just everyday part of our life, God is doing something extraordinary. Something that he is going to reward someday. You see, when Jesus was preparing to leave, remember when, you know, he's, he's about to go to Jerusalem and to the cross, he, he's preparing his disciples. And he begins to talk to them about a place. And listen to what he says to them in John chapter 14, verse 2 and 3. He says, In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you might be also. I mean, think of all of the ways that Jesus could describe heaven and, you know, where he was going and what he was going to do. I mean, he could, again, talked about the gold and the precious stones and the, and the pearls. You know, he could have talked about all of the angels and the lesions and the thrones. But what Jesus chooses to focus on what Jesus wanted his followers to know was that heaven was first and foremost a home. It was a place that Jesus is preparing for his children. He's specifically preparing for you, and he's preparing for me. 
And this morning, as we close this out, you know, as we have asked ourselves to, to have more vision towards the future, more vision towards our eternity, and not to be so locked in to this life, I believe ultimately that God is asking us to make a life-changing decision where we leave, you know, this life and we exchange earth for the citizenship of heaven. It'll make all the difference in our lives. I mean, think of the Apostle Paul. Paul was proud to be a Jew. He was proud to be a Roman citizen. But when he talked about his essence of who he was, he first and foremost chose to think of himself as a citizen of heaven. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, it says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, it was his deep longing to be in heaven. That's where my citizenship is, that longing to be home. And that, that shaped his values, that shaped his actions, that shaped his attitudes. And the consequences of Paul's choices that he made, because he saw his life like this, it has turned the world upside down for the Lord Jesus Christ. What could Christ do in your life? What could he do in my life? When I transfer my citizenship truly to heaven, that that is what I'm living for. Yes, these things on earth, there's things that got to be taken care of, there's things i got to do, but my heart is in heaven. My eye is towards heaven. And over the past few months, we have seen so much truth about God that tells us that we can make a difference for our eternity and for our heaven. I love on this subject what Bruce Wilkerson said. Um, he made this statement. He said, heaven never gets worse. We can only make it better for us. Hell never gets better. It only gets worse. That's, that's a good statement. We need to ask ourselves how this truth will make a difference tomorrow morning when we climb out of bed and we make a decision. What is our life going to be about? What am I going to be living for today? What's, what's my focus going to be for the rest of this afternoon? It's a choice only you can make for yourself that I can make for myself. And I think that's kind of what Jesus was talking about when he said to take up your cross once a month and follow me? No. He said daily. Daily take up your cross and follow me. Now before I end this series, we've been talking a lot about eternity. We've been talking about heaven. Talking about the things that we do here and our service. We've been talking about the difference that they make. Um, it, it occurs to me that as we have been talking, there may be some of you who are thinking, you know, I do a lot of good things. You may even say, I do a lot of God things. But deep down in your heart, you feel that there's something missing. I mean, I've got the externals, I'm doing those things, but there's just something missing. What could be missing in your life is a saving knowledge, a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's so easy for us to get the cart before the horse, to get service before relationship. God makes it very, very clear that first and foremost, he wants a relationship with you. He wants you to come to him through the cross, through the forgiveness of your sins, through Christ's shed blood, 
into his family, to have that relationship, and from that relationship to spring our service. And sometimes when we don't have that, but we still know we should do right, maybe we've been raised in church, or we're, we're certainly given towards some of the, the morals and the principles of, of Christianity, and it's easy to kind of follow along, but, but there's something deep down missing in your heart. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, but is a gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. First and foremost, it's an act of faith. And if you've been listening over these past weeks and you're not sure, you know, that heaven, that eternity is where you're going to end up when you die. I mean, if you look at your life and you say, I really don't even think about it. I mean, if you're ready today to make that step, to make that commitment to ask Jesus to forgive your sins, I would love to talk to you. I would love to talk to you after the service. I would love to talk to you if during the week you want to call me and reach out to me. I encourage you to do it quickly. If anyone else, if you want to talk to one of the ladies in the church, if you feel more comfortable, um, there are so many that would able, be able to show you what Christ has done for you to be a child of his. And I want to encourage you to do that. Let's not leave this service you know, giving a mental assent to, to everything that we've seen in God's word and agreeing with it, but not having the heart there, the heart in that relationship. Let's pray together as we close. Father God, I thank you for what we've looked at over these last messages. It has just lifted my spirits, Lord. It's encouraged me during this time that we could be very discouraged. Lord, as I pray for my brothers and sisters here, I pray for myself as well. That you would just renew and refresh us, Father, in the promises that you have given us, in the hope that is ours in Jesus Christ, in the eternity that waits for us, in a home, Lord. And I ask you to flesh out for each and every one of us what that will look like for the rest of this day and tomorrow when we get up and the day after that. Father, I love you. And I so thank you for your son dying for my sins. And I thank you that no matter what is going on around me, Lord, that my citizenship is with you in heaven. Thank you, Father. In thy son's name we pray.